Fishing and outdoors. We are off premise today. Nailed. He is, nailed it. Which is new. This is our third take. No, not really. Uh, we're back though. Finally, we are back. We were sitting here talking about how lazy we are and the fact that our last podcast was on the first day of archery season. Well, I don't think it's laziness. I think it's just uh, life. Life in general. Life. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. As you know, we are uh, two dads with two children. A piece. A ton of sports. Uh, work everything involved yes. and everything else involved is very, very tough to tell the other half that, you know, we're going to take six hours tonight and hang out with the boys and do a podcast. It doesn't go over very well. Yeah. Usually. You think you can come pick me up later? <laughs> 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 yeah. We're, we're not in the sugar shack tonight. We're at the, uh, home of the back 40 seed company. Let's paint a picture here for yeah, everybody. What we, yeah. What are we doing? Is this, we're painting what are we a picture. Going this place? We're painting a picture here for everybody. Back 40 seed back company 40 headquarters. Headquarters. I'm tell you, it's, it's, it's a garage. This is the it's warehouse. It's no, we, yeah. we'd, be, we'd be real marketing, shipping, receiving, all right here, <laughs> all in one swoop. All right, all right, I like it. We'd be I very, like very straightforward with our audience in relation to who we are and why we do what we do and how we do it. We're uh, using $10 Walmart headsets that are for kids. Uh, um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Our Sugar Shack, our Sugar Shack, where you usually hear our podcast, wherever I'm from, is, is just that. It's a, a what's the what's the shed size there? It's a 12 by 24. Pal. 12 by 24. Now that might, most people don't have a 12 by 24 shed in their backyard. So there's a little extravagance there, but it's still a shed. Yeah, you guys are at the back yeah. 40 now. We're like yeah, so we're now, by 36. So we're, we're now, bigger than that. we're now in the back 40, uh, headquarters garage. There's about what, five inches of snow on the ground that started falling when we were supposed to start doing this podcast. Kerosene heaters fired up in the garage. It's a good atmosphere. Wouldn't have it any other way. We don't like studios. We don't um, like the studios. Never been in one. But Making it real. So I can't really say we don't like them, but... We've been in some cool we places, don't, We don't need them. We don't need them. Nope. We're portable. We're good That's in the great. shed, man. We're good in our shed. So we were talking about... What, we, what are we going to talk about with these guys first? What we're going to talk about first is the upcoming sports show at the Jaffa Mosque in Altoona, 23rd, 24th, and 25th of this month. They will be downstairs, as will we. We're going to hang out with them a good bit of time and hang out with some other buddies, but we'll be there. You are on the right-hand side in the bottom, I believe. Yeah, uh, booth, booth, booth 45. Booth number 45. So, booth 45. So if you walk into the bottom, you go to the right, you are the, the, left. Or the left. You are the first owl. First lane. Yep. The left. All the way there you are. So b- before we dive into how, how lazy we are, come to the Jaffa Mosque this coming weekend. It'll be fun. Yeah, come, uh, come good little show. Back 40 yeah. guys, they are so lazy. <laughs> come see the non-lazy back forty guys. Uh, I will say, we've you have heard them before on our podcast. Brother Roy over here has been on it before. The back forty seed company came into fruition, as well. I think as uh, Farmer Bill here was on a couple of times before you guys started. And formerly known as Doc Bill. Formerly, formerly Doctor Bill. He is now farmer. Farmer. Bill. He shifted into farming. A wise. Wise choice, but I wear, I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> so you guys are relatively new in the space, really. This will be your first full season, and what going back to the non-lazy aspect of you guys. So we hang out pretty often, regardless of business or whatever we're doing here with podcasts. And they're like, "Okay, we're going to start a seed company." I was like, "Yeah, sweet, cool. I hope you guys can do it." And then 
two weeks later they had this company started and had everything going and moving forward and it was uh it's uh interesting to see that side of people with the ingenuity to do what it is that they're dreaming of doing and actually go and do it so we're sitting here it's a testament to it sitting here with you guys it's good stuff looking around stepping over seed bags all over the place getting ready for the show (laughs) yep uh very organized don't think it's not organized very organized uh all their seed looks very very professional put together well uh they know what they're talking about so let's let them say what they have to say about the sports show and about their seed company coming into uh the new season because it is coming into planting season here before you know it go ahead yeah. dr bill yeah. or yeah. farmer yeah. bill it's, uh, a lot of you know we're really we started this out actually like we, you know we did this recre- you know recreationally on our own uh we have had food plots on our farm for about 10 to uh, roughly 10 years 10 to 12 years i'd say uh, we've been kind of getting a little bit better at it every year and uh what we do now is you know we started we had blended our own seeds you know previously and now we just kind of offering that out to the public is what we're kind of really yeah, doing is 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 we're putting uh putting seed out there for for the public to be able to try to do like what the same thing than what we're doing i mean we have a lot of fun doing this it's kind of yeah. like a deer season all year round for us yep well i can say for me uh personally never really got into land management food plots anything from a hunting perspective never did that on the property that we hunt on it is it's a it's just interesting i mean if you're a hunter and you're actively out there chasing whitetail uh even if you don't plant food plots or don't plan on planting food plots learning about the process learning what goes into it learning about the cycles learning about how it affects your herd learning about management of properties is what we kind of do i mean the basics i mean and what we tell everybody i mean what they do is we're uh, if you have the property they will they most absolutely will bring the deer into your property uh they kind of keep the deer onto your property and then the deer that are on your property they get a lot healthier and they get bigger as they stay we've been seeing them stay for years and uh, it definitely has worked for us. I well, mean, it's 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 it, it's something too that we lightly or loosely touch on with a couple people that we've had on the podcast. It's really anything that you can do that gets you out on your property when it's not hunting season. Anything that you can do out there actively to understand your land <clears throat> and primarily how the animals move. So I spend a lot of time in the woods before archery season starts. Probably a good month and a half in there almost every day. Just paying attention to movement. And that's all I pay attention to. I don't pay attention to much else, but you know, well, it gets you a good, it gives you a good understanding of how deer move throughout your property, but then you look at the benefit of being out there and manipulating your property or making the deer do what you want on your property is something that it takes a lot of patience and skill, but again, puts you out there in the woods, in the field, when a lot of times you otherwise wouldn't be. Well, there again, I mean, you're looking at acreage of food plots or you're looking at small little small acreage areas of food plots. small not areas a, not even acres just small areas of food yeah, plots. Yeah. So yeah. with uh food plots you can do a variety of different situations to where you're doing logging trails or to where you're doing the small well, opening in the woods the or you're going to do 50 60 acres i mean you can do a lot of stuff there in 50 60 acres you can split that field up and do different kinds of uh, seed in each in each 20 acre thing is with uh the logging trails, the little patches of woods, is it draws those deer in and keeps them into your areas, your bedding areas, and such. And it's very beneficial to your property, whether you think that you have the area to do it or not. On every single property, I don't care where you're at, 
There's an old logging trail somewhere. Oh, there's lots of logging trails there. And everywhere. you can hinge cut the, or I'm sorry, not hinge cut, but you can side cut those trees as you were talking about doing let on my property. In. Yeah, let the light to let in. the light in on these logging trails or wherever. Maybe and not take the trees get out some growth totally, in there. but just cut the tops out. A lot different than it used to be. Uh, you know, as a as an older hunter in Pennsylvania, there was it was it's a rarity now that uh, that you see large tracts of land where there it's not there's not posted signs. And there was a time like for the longest longest time there was a. Uh, uh, every, you know, you could pull off to the side of the road all, all over the state of Pennsylvania. You could pull off the side of the road and you cannot. Now there's a lot of leases everywhere and there's big tracks of leases where there's bigger clubs and there's a lot of guys involved like in one lease. And, uh, usually within those larger tracks of land, there's, uh, there's always a spot where it's a good idea to have a food plot. If you're going to put all that time and effort and, and, uh, get a group of guys together and have a club and th- there's a lot to that. Uh, with that, I, you know, we always recommend putting a, putting a food plot in the middle of those kinds of pieces of property. It's, if you give them something to come to your ground for, they have a reason to be there. They have a reason to be there. Yes, They're going to keep definitely. coming to your ground. So you're going to take those deer, not necessarily steal them off other people's properties, but you're going to have them come in and They're into your little 15 the acres, your 20 when, the, when the acorns run short and all the other farm fields run around short and you got food plots, the deer are going to come to your property. Rob and I were up at, uh, the Bearded Bucks property. Yes. He has a beautiful piece of property up there. Food plots out the wazoo. You know, he's 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 got hardwoods. He's got food plots. He's got uh, stands set up everywhere. And he's got, the, like, the perfect opportunity. But, you know, that, you know, at a, as a benefit to him, that's awesome. He has a great property up there. But you don't necessarily need that. I have 120 acres of mountain ground that I hunt. I don't have it. It's something that I'm allowed to hunt. I'm planning on doing a few few plots up there with Back 40 Seat Company this year, and it's all going to be on logging trails and old clear cuts that they have grown up that I'm going to trim out, and we're going to do a couple up there this year, and it's going to be beneficial to me and every other hunter that hunts up there. And to the deer that are on the property. Yeah. That's a real important piece. I mean, really, I mean, what we're all trying to do, and, you know, uh, Roy and I, we joke about it and we play around because, like, you know, we, we do everything we can on our property to try to make a healthier herd, and we talk about the healthy deer, and, and then we joke about it, that, but what we're doing for all the deer that anybody that, like, puts is willing to put a food plot on their piece of property and what they do for their deer. So we're uh, we're, we're making deer healthier, like, all yeah. over the Anybody that, like, wants to put I mean, in a food plot, yeah. <laughs> anybody wants to put a, put a seed in the ground i yep. mean it definitely helps you're out. doing it's helping out your deer herd and that coincides with you guys too so your ground borders a lot of state game lands oh we're so you're we're actually you know you're, you're helping the deer us. herd out as well and you're helping all these other guys out to hunt the state Which game lands because and, and, and like fine. i said they're not stealing deer from you you're not stealing deer from them you're just doing what you do well you gotta look at you gotta look at the nature of of our sport in general now and keeping it alive and i'll draw a correlation between myself growing up hunting in the late 80s early 90s there was a lot of deer there was there was a very healthy herd in the state of pennsylvania not saying it's not healthy now but for the long term if we're looking at the importance of planting a food plot and being aware of what you're doing to control the deer but also to improve the quality of the deer you're putting kids now so i take my two sons out now as much as i can and put them in a tree stand and you'll sit there all day long sometimes, and you'll see one or two deer versus when I was in the woods, and you'd you sit down and you'd, you'd legitimately have a chance. I mean, I remember growing up every year for the first eight, nine years I hunted, the first day going the same place every year, getting a shot at it. I could have had one or one to three shots at a deer every single time I sat. You're seeing 30, 40 deer. You're seeing 
shooter bucks all over. Of course, back then there was no difference between a legal shooter buck and just a, any buck. But the value of what you can do to improve the sport is there, and food plotting is a big part of that now because so our property where I take the kids has changed. It's a, it's a fragile ecosystem if you look at it. So they've logged out the area where I hunt right now. And the area where I hunt is kind of a travel. They, they, they travel through there. They don't stay in there. So what they did to our property, if we don't take a look at it and assess what's going on or what's going to happen with it, and we don't make alterations to keep them in there in a manner in which they used to because no longer as thick as what it was. But now that grants us the opportunity to go in and say, okay, well, we'll plan here, we'll plan here, we'll plan here. And you're looking at the keeping deer there but also funneling them through your property as well as improving the quality of the deer. you got to have the food to funnel them through your property. Yep. That's the way I look at it. you got to have food for them. So, yeah, there, I mean, uh, the, the benefits to food plotting um, just for the sheer fact that your likelihood of getting a deer out there while you're hunting is it rises exponentially, but also all of these other things that you don't really think about what people don't necessarily talk about a lot when it comes to food plotting is that the quality of the herd and the quality of the sport in general and what you're doing to help it out. So again, we, all these podcasts, we say we don't want to guilt you guys into doing anything. You don't, don't listen to us and think, Oh man, I need to be doing this. But so, I mean, well, here's the deal with, with you said that people putting out feed the corn and stuff like that. So if you're going to feed these deer with corn or, or sweet feed or whatever you're going to do, uh, like a mineral mix or whatever, so you're going to put this stuff out, and you're going to put it out, you know, basically the whole spring, summer, and then it comes a month before the season, you got to quit putting that stuff out. Well, all that money that you had into that corn it's good and that the feed, deer. It might be good it's for good the deer, for the deer, but, it's but not, you could have... percent good for the deer. You could have planted... Feeding them, you're feeding them, like, feed. But like what, I'm not, t- what I'm telling you is, to, to all that money that you have into that corn, you could have put a little extra work in and maybe cleared out a little bit of... A section of uh, a, a logging trail or cl- something. Clear, clear the ground out. Planted something. Yeah, planted something, and that's totally legal to have all year round. Yep, to have their during hunting season. Illegal. So it, why not do it? Yeah, yeah. You're I mean, talking a about small a re- pot. return on investment greens. or return on your time. Uh, that corn pile or that little bait area that you're setting up is a one-time thing, one and done. And you paid for it. Your money's out the door. I think ultimately what we're saying is you should come to the Jaff and Mosque. On the twenty third, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth, yeah. and find talk, uh, talk to us, guys. find the back forty, <laughs> find the back forty seed company there, and us. We'll be hanging out with them and uh, buy some buy some seed, or at least at least come talk to them, find out a little bit more about uh, what it is they're about, what food plotting is about, and talk to them about your property, talk to them about where you hunt, talk to them about how you hunt, and who knows, you might just learn something. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate so, it. so the uh, getting off of that subject, I just want to ask. You fellas, how was your hunting season this year? It was a good season. Um, every year I pay attention to the stands I hunt and how long I hunt and how many deer I see while I'm hunting. It seems like year every year, every year it gets a little bit better. The numbers get a little bit better. The amount of deer that I see each year get a little bit better. Um, this year by about 25 deer in the first two or three weeks archery season, more so than I saw the year before, uh, hand. So a lot of deer. You, had some, you of, had some people log your property this year, didn't you? Yes. So it was, How did yes. that affect everything with the logging? Um, not as, we'll say not as, didn't have as big an impact as what I thought it would. I thought that it would, um, 
change their patterning. I thought it would slow them down. I thought they would come through at different times. I thought because of the opening, the nature of where it sits along the highway would have affected it a little bit more than what it did, but it didn't really seem to be all that different. But as it starts growing back up and as we start doing stuff with the You're property gonna it's going to be thick woods and it's going to be interesting it's gonna to see everything. yeah cuz it's going to get thick it's going to get um dependent upon what we do so part of it is you were talking about before if you have a property where you don't have a lot of land to manipulate creating light creating areas of light yes, within yes, the, yes, the property yes. because it's logged out and it was so dense before now there's a lot of openings you can play around with so it'll be be a fun uh, next couple seasons with it, but all in all, it was a good season. That was, um, it was a punishingly cold. It was. Cold, it was cold, a unique cold second season yeah. the, from the day after Christmas. It was in cra- crazy oh, yeah. cold. Yeah. How about the uh, day we were out and I had you off on our <laughs> property, Rob? And it was I probably saw. thirty-five to forty mile an hour sustained winds. And I tell you what, I have never been so oh, cold. I've never been that cold. I I, I got up. I got up in the stand. It was one of those mornings where if you, if something can goes wrong or can go wrong, it goes wrong. So my belt pack that I carry all my stuff in, well, just long story short, I climbed up the tree three times. So I climbed up, started climbing up once, <laughs> get back down. pulling myself, pulling myself up and clip. I could hear the belt click one of the, the plastic clips unclick. It didn't fall. And I was like, gosh, shit, it's going to. Tried to grab it, down, back down, back up, three or four steps, or three or four pulls, it fell off again, so finally I just hooked it over my shoulder, up, get set up, so that's like a 45 minute process, I'm all hot and like pissed off that it's taking me this long, it's light, like the light's starting to yeah, break, it's no good. <laughs> so then I sit down and I get down, I get situated, and I sat there for like five minutes, and it was so cold that I couldn't stand to sit facing the wind like i was i had ma- i had a face mask on it was just cutting right through me so i readjusted my stand around the tree and then the wind shifted again and then i did that one more time and i was like screw this i got down and went down into a valley and the wind was cut off significantly but it was still pretty cool it was still, still ugly. Too yeah. damn cold. it was ugly i was up in the stand and i i text him and where you at and he said i, I had to get down i went down to down on the valley here, you know, across the forward trail. So I knew where he was at. He goes, the wind's actually not too bad down here. And I'm up there in my stand, and I'm in a fixed stand. It's a lock-on. You can't swivel anywhere, and I, I'm just get, getting it beat in the face of this. And, uh, you know, I did see some deer, uh, but which is amazing to me. I saw some deer, but I, it, it was so cold. I was so cold. I got down. Probably, it was probably like 9.30, yeah. 10 o'clock yeah. maybe. Yeah. I finally decided. I said, I can't do this anymore. I climbed down. I went and got, and I sat in a ground blind to get out of the wind that I had set up, which was probably like 80 yards from where I was at. Yeah. Sat in there for a little bit and uh, decided to move again. Uh, got up in a different tree stand. Wind was still howling really hard, but I stayed there, and I, uh, I actually saw some more deer. So I yeah. saw a couple more yeah. bucks, and small bucks and some does. And uh, But I tell you what, man, that was brutal. 
most brutal circumstances I've ever been. Easily, in. easily, easily. Most that whole, that whole second season was a lot of like a lot of the days that were like in Pennsylvania anyway that we were able to hunt. A lot, you know, those Saturdays were they were punishing. Oh yeah, those days and Freezing. the wind and the cold. I mean, that, that was that's, that's a rough second yep. season. Oh yeah, and then they, yeah. you know you talk about the Saturdays were brutal and then Sundays beautiful, sunny, cool. I, I, yeah, yeah. I you know, no I, wind. Kind of hit the jackpot. I mean, the, the 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 first day was the day after Christmas and I actually did get lucky and I wound up like. I wound up taking a doe and even to be able to take care of all the business that needs to be taken care of after, uh, shooting a deer. You got to take off a couple of layers. You got to roll your sleeves up. You got to go all the way up past your elbows. I mean, you got to get busy and that's no joke whenever it's below zero and the wind's blowing at you and with the, the paper towel, somebody pouring water on your hands because you got, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, that was kind of a, that was a thing. Shot one, and Roy and I got one uh, together on the uh, the last day. So we, yeah, we shot one on the first day, and then the last day of that second season. So we kind of had a we we had a pretty good season. I mean, all together out there. I mean, but hey, meeting the freezer is a good season. Uh, Just being out, just being out's a good season. So I had one instance of a extremely large, extremely large eight point. This thing was huge. It was about fifty yards away from it. Towards the, it might have been the last or next last day of archery season. And, uh, so it's about 50 yards away from me coming towards me. I'm actually stalking at this point in time, spotting stock. I'm sitting in this big wood pile and it's coming right for me. And all of a sudden it just turns, not the opposite direction, but turns 90 degrees and takes off running as fast as it can. And, uh, got spooked by my cousin who was also spotting and stalking and coming up a power line. So it would have been a, it was one of those ones that gets your heart completely racing as soon as you see the deer itself once you see a, a giant or large set of horns it changes the level of adrenaline that starts pumping through your body but it is one of those instances where i'd much rather have had that half experience you say than not had it at all it definitely uh was the most exciting part of the season for me. We'll no, that. that's why we do it. You know, we just if it, if it doesn't get you excited anymore, you should you should just stop doing it. You know, I I whenever I'm going to harvest a doe, and I set my mind to that, and I say, yeah, I'm going to kill a doe today. And uh, that first doe comes out, you know, I'm like, hey, you a big one, you a big, you know, you start getting excited. It's it's a it's, it's an adrenaline killing you know? a buck. It's yeah. no different. It's a it's a heart pumper, you know. Yeah. You get it. It doesn't stop, friends. I got uh, I got twenty seasons, John Yo, and uh, I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's exactly the same. It doesn't stop. I mean, you guys, I mean, I know how you guys like live it just like I do, and it's the same season after season. Oh, yeah. We kind of, this is what we do. I mean, it's the great. The beauty of thing. the hunt is that you, you, you experience something when you're younger. You, like the first time you experience something typically is oftentimes the sweetest or the thing that resonates the most for you. It's the same way when I was 12 years old sitting in a stand watching a deer pass by as I am now 36 watching a deer pass by. Same exact level of excitement yeah, yeah. just it, it just it gets, it, amazement yeah. sort of so that's the beauty one of the beauties of the sport that when people ask why you do it and one of those tangibles that you just can't really fully explain until you've done it something about something about those antlers <laughs> right yep yeah i mean it's uh it's something else whenever you finally you know and i got to get off of this and it's 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 tough for me to do but I'm not a trophy hunter at all, and, you know, I kind of like, whenever you see that first deer coming up and you see that it has horns, the first thing I think to myself, 
you know, should I harvest this animal? Is it is it big enough? Is it mature enough deer? I'm not managing my property for big deer. Uh, you know, to a point I am, but on the other hand, like I'm sitting there trying to judge this animal whether I should shoot it or not, rather than getting ready for the shot. So it's um it's it's a catch twenty two. You know, you you don't want to shoot that younger deer. On the other hand. If you, when you finally get a good look at them, because it is tough to see the horns through, you know, the Pennsylvania woods. So when you finally get a good look at them and say, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I got to take this one. Um, you know, you're not prepared as you should be as if you were all of a sudden, you know, as soon as you saw that deer saying, if this is a good buck, I'm taking them. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a tough, definitely. it's like I said, it's a catch 22. You don't want to shoot a young deer. So you, so you don't prepare yourself better to shoot that deer. So all of a sudden, it is a good deer, and you're like, oh, man, i got to shoot this one. i got to shoot this one. And you're kind of struggling to, to get your bearings and, and to figure out where you're at. So, uh, you know, I've been there many a times. And after this year, I, I did that uh, with that buck that I missed uh, twice. I did it on him twice. When he was coming into me, I did it on him there. I said, are you big enough to shoot? Yeah, you are. And then whenever I saw him in the daylight, like the complete daylight, and it was yeah, you're a nice deer. And then whenever he came up around that out of that thicket, I was still thinking to myself, "Are you know? Are you you know? Are you a good deer? Should I shoot you? Should I shoot you?" And I'm like, "I already shot at you once. I'm going to shoot you again." You know, it's one of those deals. You it's, just put uh, it back in your mind. I don't know why, but it, it, it is. I already it's, shot at you once. We're Pennsylvania hunters, and that's that's <laughs> mental. That's mental strange territory for. And you guys all hunted long enough that long enough ago that whenever you would see a whitetail that had horns on their head, if it was a spike, it was a buck. It was a buck, and a buck was a buck, and you say, someone, someone didn't say, what did you shoot? You would say, they'd say, did you shoot a buck? And you shot one, and, and if it was a three-point or four-point, they were, oh, yeah, it was same, a great yeah, thing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, uh, Men are unf- unfamiliar territory for a lot of like you know older Pennsylvania yeah. hunters, and now we see big giant. Jeez, they're ma- they're shooting giants in Pennsylvania, super giants. It's crazy. Yeah, hell yeah. I'd say, yeah that's I'd, what, that's I'd what I mean. Say. You, you want to know if you want to if you should pull that trigger or not? You know, oh, I saw that one on my trail camera. He's huge, but there's this one other one. He's he's he's, he's yeah. almost as good. But should I pull the trigger on him or not? I, you <laughs> know, it's it's like the trail cameras almost are almost killing my. It could be your enemy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say for myself, I'm a, uh, I'm not a trophy hunter. I'll wait for the biggest buck that I see scouting or wait until there's one big enough that I get excited about. I get excited about them all. We'll say that. I'm more a longevity hunter. So the older I get, the more I enjoy being out there for different reasons than going out there and shooting something. So I'd rather be able to say, Okay, I saw a bunch of deer. I let them pass. If I shoot a deer the first day, my season's done. I get so much. I get so yeah, much benefit you. out of being in the stand every day in archery season. That yeah, it's yeah. better to let them pass and walk by. And well, there's but, a, trophies in the. Uh, that, it's, it's almost like strange. To, I mean, I know that there's, some, there's there was no such thing as the outdoor channel, like either, like whatever twenty years ago, right? True. So we never saw any of those deer that they're seeing all these giant monster deer and everybody's, you're visualizing a lot more of those. So a trophy with, with an arrow, it's, it's a personal thing, but a trophy with an arrow is, 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 is a white tail buck in the state of Pennsylvania. It doesn't have to, 
you know, it doesn't have to be like a whole we're lot not of points. For, we're not looking for 200-inch no. deer. We're looking at 120, 130-inch deer. I'd be looking for 200-inch deer. Uh, <laughs> I would be too, but you ain't going to find uh, yeah, them every yeah, day in Pennsylvania. No. They are here. Every day. I'll give it that. They are lifetime. here. How many People t- kill them. How many times but have you guys been out there? It's 120, 130-inch deer. How many times have you guys been out there and you saw a buck kind of, you know, even 50 yards away? Like, oh, yeah, that's a decent deer. And you know you're not going to get a shot at it, but then all of a sudden it turns its head and you get a really good look at his antlers and you're like, oh, my goodness, I misjudged you. You are a really good deer. I mean, this happened to me 20 plus times, you know. Um, There's there's also the ones that are right up on you and you pass and you might even draw on one. And then whenever they start running away, they grow enormously whenever they start (laughs) running away. Yeah. That's oh, what I yeah. shoot. That's what. God. Oh, think, what the hell? Holy smokes! Look at that thing! Right, come on! Come back! <laughs> come back! Yeah, you said. I mean, it's just uh, like I said. It's a, it, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, circumstance to be in whenever you're enjoying yourself so much where you don't, like Rob said, you don't want to. Peter Rob said you don't want to, uh, you know, kill your time out there by harvesting an animal on the first day. But you know, an opportunity presents itself. You got to take it. And, um, you know, it's, uh, the, the right buck presents itself yeah. on the first day. I'll take it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's the time that we spend out there that we all enjoy and, and, and love so much that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's decent now. And, 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 and on the other side of things is that I have my son now. So if I harvest one the first day or if I kill one early in archery season, you know, I always have him that I can take out, and it's just exciting, just as exciting for me to have him out in the woods and seeing deer, or more exciting than it is for me being it's, alone. It's out a there. tough go to try to pass on to two sons that feeling of excitement that you have while being in the woods. Oh, to yes, try to yeah. kids to have that same excitement, it's a difficult thing to pass on. I mean, my son doesn't hunt, so I mean, it's a different thing for me. But I see you guys are out there all the time. I see, you know, you're, you're you know. It'd be a tough thing to do. Yeah. So, it's like, when I missed that deer the first time, I was that's the first thing I thought of. Man, if you'd have capitalized on this, you'd have so much more time with Carter out here, not worrying about yourself. Which, you know, I I put him first anyway. But you know, if I get off work or in time and I can run out to the woods, that's what I do. I get out to the woods. Uh, if he's still in school, you know, because I get off pretty early in my work now. So, um, it, you know, it's just different thoughts now that I have out there in a tree stand. That's for sure. Having a son <laughs> tagging along Getting older. with me. Yeah. Getting older. Brother Roy had to go to the cooler, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <he's> great. <laughs> hey, y'all me, guys. <laughs> no spring, spring gobbler season rolling around. Y- y'all gobbler hunters? Uh, you know, I just, I never really was into turkey hunting other than the past two years. I kind of got into it a little bit. Uh, started buying some calls and messing around with those and getting out in the woods is sporadic at best, but. I do get out there uh, and try and call them in. I think now that my son's, he's nine now, uh, I'm going to get him a youth-sized shotgun this year, and I think I'm going to focus on him rather than me uh, shooting a turkey. I really, to be honest with you, could care less about killing a turkey. I think they're beautiful animals. Uh, I see them all the time in the woods. Um, I think it's another opportunity for him to get some experience in the woods. So yeah, I'll, do, I'll yeah. do it for him. I'm not a big Big time turkey hunter. Never growing up, none of my relatives or father who I hunted with ever hunted turkeys. Um, but you talk to these people and you're involved with people that are big time turkey hunters and they're obsessed with this stuff, man. 
There's some turkey hunters out there that just live, eat, sleep, breathe, and die for, turkey, for hunting, turkey like we season. are deer hunting. That's yeah, and there's um, I can see, I can understand why turkey has the appeal that it has because it's a little bit more of a you, you can manipulate your atmosphere to get what you want out of it with turkey a little bit different than you can with anything else. So it's a good it's a good time of year um, to go out and especially with kids because of that fact because your 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 action. Um, dictates reaction and then your action dictates when turkeys come in. You're calling them. You're actually involved in manipulating what happens to a level where it's a little bit different than hunting deer. You can call, you can do all this other stuff, but you're not necessarily, they're not coming to you for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most of the time we're calling So that level of, yeah. <laughs> so that level of. You can that- take kids out and you can put kids in a blind and, uh, and what, what, and they may not harvest a bird, however, uh, you can take kids out and all they need to do is strike a call. Yep. And oftentimes a gobbler will react to that. I yep. mean, so even that's even a thrill. I mean, so they don't have to necessarily take a bird out of the woods, but they, you, you'll get a little bit of action out of it and you'll at least get something hollering back and forth at yep. you once in yep. a while. I mean, coming in, it's a whole different story. Yeah, it's a good time of year to be out in the woods. As we say, we're talking about food plotting earlier, anything that you can do to temperatures, right? <laughs> to <laughs> anything you can do to to not not necessarily force yourself to get out and do things when you otherwise wouldn't be doing them. Food planning is very good for that. It gives you a task. It gives you something to actually get out there and do something around. Turkey hunting can be the same the same type of concept, especially spring season, um, with the kids. Something to get the kids out in the woods. Something to get the kids involved. Turkey hunting is something that, uh, again, going back to the nature of it. Could be something that's a little bit more of an initial draw for a kid than it is going out in archery season and sitting there and not seeing something. So it's one of those things that's worth, worth entertaining if you don't do it. And it is, I mean, it's fun. It's, it, it's cool when you hear them calling. It's cool. Just different Having kind of hunting, man. Come yeah. right into you strutting full bore. I mean, it's a blast, but we, uh, we, we got, uh, the TV opportunity to last year to, to take out some of our, uh, outdoor brothers from our two pursuits out on, 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 on some turkey hunts. And it was kind of, it was kind of a hoot. We got, a, we got to want some birds oh, and all that kind of thing. And honestly, I mean, did, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't really want a turkey either, but I mean, I think it was like yeah. to take somebody out. I think it was kind of a lot of fun just to take somebody else Put out. On our property yeah. where yep. we have food plots Truly. and we have the turkeys and, give them a bird to shoot at and yep. they might not hit it every time <laughs> sorry sean nah, sorry sean nah, yeah. <laughs> sorry about good that. group of guys there's our two guys we'll play we'll play a little game here with our two pursuits if you get this answer correct so the first person to comment on our podcast link on facebook you at the beginning of the podcast you'll hear the intro tune and the voice uh, introducing us is one of the R2 members. If you can't comment which one of the R2 guys it is, we'll give you a, a yeah, hat. That's and, a tough hat and a decal. That. Which R2 which R2, which R2 pursuiter? Man. Which R2 pursuiter does the uh, intro wow. intro tunage for the report podcast? That's a good one, I, don't, I don't even know that. I didn't know the that. king is generous. Learn something yeah. new. Learn something new every day. What are we giving away, boys? And we'll do a hat and a decal. Uh, and none of the guy. R2 guys are eligible to win this. Contest. Yes, zero or two guys. <laughs> so yeah, I'll throw that out there. Good, good group of guys. Uh, similar in nature, similar in mind. But all right, well, check us out, and uh, you can get on uh, Back Forty Seed Company, Back Forty Seed Co. dot com. dot com. Yeah, or uh, you can get on uh, 
their Facebook page. They have an Instagram as well. Yes, yep. we have an Instagram as well. Okay. Yep. And, uh, of course, you can find us at parutreport.com. You can find us on Facebook, and we also have an Instagram page at parutreport. So, yep. this is the end of our show. We thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Back 40 Seed Company for hosting this yeah. show today. Hey, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. And uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back again with yeah. these guys in the near Hell, future. Heck yeah. See you at the Jaffa.